2: welcome in to the Rotowire wire nfl podcast presented by yahoo daily fantasy sports mario how's it going
1: uh good i just fixed the soundboard which wasn't working and uh, now we're ready to record thanks to me
2: mr robot over here
1: mr robot and uh it was actually dj trainer our uh general in office wizard guy who took care of it. So you can thank him or blame him for this podcast today. He,
2: uh, yeah, he put his wizard hat on, did some stuff, said some things at the computer and voila, it was fixed. Yeah. So, uh, we're ready to talk about, uh, what are we talking about? Football? Okay. I got some ideas. Okay. Um, I even made an outline, so let's get into it. Uh, so obviously today, uh, a lot of teams reporting for training camp. We're going to get into a lot of the news and notes uh, from that. But uh, a team that hasn't started up its practice yet, um, a lot of teams starting up on Friday. And the big news for among that uh, group of teams is from the Saints. And that's Michael Thomas. It looks like he's going to hold out. Um, and he's got, in my opinion, of the kind of like high profile potential holdouts or, you know, actual holdouts in, in certain cases already. In the case of like Melvin Gordon, Thomas, I think, has a ton of leverage.
1: Yeah, he does, and it's it's hard to tell how serious he is. Like You can imagine Gordon or a running back being more serious than a receiver because a receiver is less likely to have his leg ruined in the upcoming season. But like you said, he has more leverage. I don't know enough about the Saints' uh, cap finances to know what they can put aside right now, but right now in the last year of his rookie contract – Thomas is only about $1.6 million against the cap. And obviously that's an underpayment for what like he's, he's already basically owed money for uh, he, he was owed money basically, uh, you know, two games into his second season probably. Yeah. Let alone whatever's gone on since. So uh, I, I don't know what a Drew Brees contract does to your ability to sign someone like Thomas to some, you know, 20 times whatever he's on the books for right now. But if they don't sign him, they're just kind of done. So uh, particularly with Drew Brees seeming to kind of like perhaps fall off a bit with age late last year, uh, there's no way for their model to work if they don't have Thomas. I mean, yeah, he's
2: he's a guy who, you know, close to 10 yards per target, while catching 85% of his passes he's he only gets downfield like you know 8 yards down the field is his like average depth of target so i mean he basically is just like this automatic cheat code to just pick up 8 to 10 yards on a given play and with and i think he's the only guy on that team that the really the only guy in the NFL to to the to degree that he's able to to the degree he's able to do it um, he's irreplaceable you can you couldn't just like have traquan smith come in and and do what he does the way that like you could have austin eckler do a pretty decent melvin gordon impression
1: yeah that's true i mean an elite receiver is a lot harder to replace than an elite running back and this is even probably like as, as drastic of an example as it gets basically because he's so um uniquely fit to that offense's scheme and drew breeze's skill set and inclinations generally like his general instincts as a quarterback totally suit michael thomas's skill set and vice versa so yeah I, I don't know what they can give him right now but i th- i would imagine like you said just because of his position uh how dependent on him they are they're probably just gonna have to cough up whatever it is they can
2: yeah and you know i We'll see how true this is or not, but I, I think that the expectation is that Thomas wants the, to be like the first $20 million receiver. Probably. For sure. um, so I think that that's kind of where it, where it's headed. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're the Saints, you don't love having to do that, but, I mean, you
1: don't really have a choice. Yeah, and I guess it's also possible that he grows. gives in and go, just shows up. But one thing, for whatever it's worth, I really doubt – Uh, He's holding out in week one. I don't I don't think this goes on that much longer probably Yeah, this
2: should be quick. I don't I don't expect this one uh, to drag on uh, Either before we get into some training camp uh, news and notes uh, from the practices around the league uh, I've got a message from our friends over at Yahoo It's officially July Which means football season is around the corner and Yahoo fantasy has introduced a new fantasy football game called best ball That lets you get in the action now with best ball your you draft your fantasy football team and that's That's it. You don't need to do a thing since you've already drafted your team. Each week, the top scoring players at each position on your roster will automatically count towards your weekly score. Forget about the time commitment. No waiver wire, no trades, no adding players or dropping players. No having to make those tough start or sit decisions. Focus on the best part of fantasy football, the draft. Tired of doing mock drafts for your fantasy team and having other players drop out early and not finish the draft? Free best ball leagues give you the most accurate ADP, or average draft position, of players before the season starts. Can't get enough fantasy football, but don't want to manage all those teams all season long? You can draft up to 50 best ball teams. Play for free or play for cash, but most importantly, get to drafting with Yahoo Fantasy Best Ball. Join the league today at yahoo.com slash ball. That's yahoo.com slash best ball all right so Mario obviously training camp is always rife with you know storylines that they get uh drummed up and they they end up you know becoming nothing but there is a pretty notable one out, out of Miami today in in terms of uh their backfield
1: a couple and, I think oh oh I mean the the quarterback also oh yes now it, that it's shocking or any it's not as shocking as the running back example
2: right okay so let, let's tackle the running back uh first or try to um and so obviously Kenyon Drake kind of being drafted uh, in, in best ball leagues and, and in fantasy leagues all around uh, the country as the presumptive starter here. So that led to just general shock in the in the fantasy community when all the Miami Dolphins beat writers are tweeting out Belage is the first guy out there.
1: Yeah, so it was, I don't know where Drake showed up eventually, but Kalen Belage, the first uh, snap, I guess, with the first team, he was out there and I don't know how long he was out there but he got some goal line work too apparently according to uh, Armando Salguero yeah that makes sense uh what doesn't make sense is Kalen Balazs starting over Kenyon Drake and I mean there's just no objective case for it there's a chance that Balazs is an unprecedented um case of like skill set growth between last year and this year but that's growth he never showed at Arizona State he didn't show it last year going from Arizona State to Miami as much as people are saying he was promising last year he had one good play and aside from that one play he was like 3.3 yards per carry which is basically the guy you would expect him to be based on what he did at arizona state and it's not just that he played behind demario richard at arizona state it was that demario richard safely outproduced him on a higher volume burden so you know 446 at 229 pounds that's interesting but it's just not that remarkable uh, the comparisons to Derrick Henry that some people might be inclined to make are just totally off the mark because Derrick Henry was wildly productive in the SEC, uh, two fifty four or whatever he's running the four five four record holder in uh, I think high school too. I think he has the most rushing yards of any high
2: school player ever. Yeah, I don't. Know, good. Uh,
1: yeah, he's he was dominant at in the SEC and Balaj couldn't Richard. start in the Pac twelve and the guy that he couldn't uh, win the starting job over and couldn't match even off the bench. Was in the AAF and he didn't even he didn't get drafted certainly and he didn't get much of a look in training camp in the NFL. So uh, you have you have a 78 or 80 yard touchdown or whatever and a 446 that just doesn't interest me. It's like Dwayne Washington's, Jamie Harper's, Chris Henry, the running back. That's the kind of category that I put Kalen Balaji in. But for whatever it's worth, um, I think it makes sense. To get him on the field it's just that he's he basically needs to be a pass catcher like he can't run out of the backfield at all um or at least he hasn't been able to up to this point so if they use him kind of like as a h back who gets some carries but is more so just kind of like a uh, a you know big fast guy who they motion out of the backfield to manipulate the defense's coverage that makes sense uh but Kenyon drake's a really good pass catching running back so it doesn't make that much sense and uh, I can imagine it being just like a Brian Flores the head coach like a thing where he's like oh Kalen Balaj worked so hard and we're going to reward him and like he's trying to be a a, I'm a big culture guy I I get everybody working real hard all the time and um, that's nice right now I guess but you try that in week one you're going nowhere and at that point it's just a question of how long they're willing to stand by it uh, even if it gets that far and I'm not convinced that this means anything really Okay, I mean, I think a lot of people are going to be, are are reacting. There will be a big reaction to this.
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, the people that that passed on... Kenyon Drake in, in drafts earlier th- this draft season will be, you know, thumping their chest a little bit. It has begun. Yeah. Uh me when I saw this I'm I'm the guy that drafted Henry in the 3rd uh, in a 14 teamer a couple weeks ago. I have a small bead of sweat on my brow. I I'd, I'd say over this. I'm not freaking out just yet. Uh
1: but Drake you drafted? Yes. Oh okay. Yeah, I mean I'm I will probably hold off on drafting him in the 4th or 5th round, but I'm probably going to get more shares anyway cuz I expect him to fall into the 6th now and uh sorry but it, it, like he's kalen bellage cannot run out of the backfield like he, th- th- we're talking on uh, we're talking about like a a fundamental shift in nature that is gigantic if he has become a viable backfield runner and uh as much as there's a chance that coaches make bad decisions and as much as flores might make the bad decision of concluding well drake uh, is smaller and not as fast as Belage, so Belage must be better and he, he lifts so many weights in the weight room so hard uh, like that kind of stuff if that's what you're basing it on you won't be able to stand by it for that long in the regular season if you just got 20 carries for you know 45 yards and uh, that's you can expect like Carlos Hyde in Cleveland kind of drag on the offense if Bellage is playing over Drake I think okay
2: and to to give a to paint like a broader context of, of Bellage and I think the the Demario Richard anecdote is an interesting one because he was get Demario Richard was getting more carries uh, then a Kalen during his time there, Balaj, his breakout season. They were both they were there the same amount of time, I believe. They were both yeah. there through 2017. Um, Balaj, his best season uh, was 2016 as a, as a true junior. Uh, 126 carries, 536 yards. That's a 4.3 yards per carry average, and he had 14 touchdowns. Half of those came in one game against right, Patrick Mahomes say. led
1: Texas Tech team. That that game. Amazing, but that's a. Different that was insane. <laughs> yeah, so seven touchdowns in one game. I, th- I thought I couldn't remember for sure if that actually happened or I just dreamt that. So he also caught a of. touchdown in that game too. Okay, cool. um <laughs> So yeah, he and even with that being the case, he finished that year at four point three yards per carry, which is what he would go on to replicate in twenty seventeen. So he had one year out of four where he averaged over five yards a carry, and the other three years each, uh, let alone combined, but in each specific one year sample, he was at four point three or worse. And after his freshman year, Arizona State actually was tinkering with him at defensive end outside linebacker in a fall camp. So I don't know. I mean, weird things can happen, yes. But if you can't be close enough to DeMario Richard, who was a good college running back um, but not an NFL prospect, if you can't be almost as good as him or if you're far enough away that the team is thinking, like, what if we changed him to a pass rusher? I just don't know how naturally good you are at running out of the backfield. Now, in space, that's different because he's huge and he's fast. Yeah. And you get him into space, that's a problem automatically. Like if, if Kalen Balazs was in the Kansas City offense, I would be high on him in that case because we have reason to believe that that kind of offense creates space and he doesn't need to interpret blockers. He doesn't need to be elusive. He can just kind of take the space that's there and just bulldoze yeah, everybody. The gas. And uh, that's that kind of that kind of skill set can make you look good in camp um, before the games are live and especially when the pads aren't on but when people can take real shots at him we have no reason to believe he'll avoid those shots whereas with drake i mean i know he's not a like bulldozing presence and he doesn't run a 4 5 or anything but he is fast and he is adequately built and he, i think he's shown a well-rounded skill set uh it would be very stupid of flores and a pretty grim sign for his coaching regime i think if they really commit to bellage at drake's expense there's just no reason to do it okay so let's,
2: let's land this plane as far as what what this all means for the dolphins backfield and for us as as fantasy players here so frank gore leaving get is opens up upwards of 156 uh carries do you see like a like Drake getting two thirds of those leftover carries. So he gets, you know, closer to like 220 carries this season, whereas Balaj, you know, works his way close to like 130 carries and kind of finds himself being maybe useful as, as
1: a flex in, in deeper leagues. Yeah, I don't know. I think that uh, my, my opinion is probably so far away from the typical persons that I, I almost feel irresponsible saying it, but I still don't think anything comes of this. I don't think Balaj really does amounts to much more than uh fool's gold for those who chase him and he, the way it could work would be a way that it works for both drake and Balage and that Balaj basically doesn't even end up competing for the same functions like it's one where he's almost like uh you know the second running option and otherwise kind of gets motioned around like a juice or whatever his name is or you juice know aaron, aaron juice check or aaron hernandez kind of thing which i think Belage could be good at that being a kind of like a H back kind of player. He can't run out of the backfield though. Okay. So uh, I think Drake ends up being the lead runner. Maybe Belage is on the field at the same time as him quite a lot. Um, I think it would be the answer is both sooner that sooner than it would be the answer is Belage and not Drake. And also I think that Miles Gaskin is a better runner than Kalen Dang, was mo- I Dang, I was about to ask like it, the
2: or like the adding on here, there's just no real proven or or promising depth in this backfield behind Bellage so th- I thought just sort of uh, by virtue of being the only guy with real NFL uh, production to this point and it's not even that much obviously in the case of Balazs it would be enough to where you know gas Miles Gaskin Kenneth Farrow Mark Walton or Patrick Laird are getting in there
1: yeah I don't think Laird Walton or Farrow do but I, th- I think there's reason to believe that Gaskin can stick in the NFL and uh, he was a better player running back in the Pac-12 than Bellage was he was better than Demario Richard was so as much as he was a seventh rounder you know fringe prospect at best fringe prospect running backs can be productive if they get the chance and unlike Bellage Gaskin at least has that basic running instinct out of the backfield uh, I don't know if it's a vision limitation or if it's like Belage's is too big and not quick enough for something to be elusive when there's traffic around him but he isn't he can't escape traffic uh if the sea if the parts he can take it all but uh gaskin at least can you know dice through traffic a little bit and he did a hell of a lot at washington where uh had a very big workload and you know sustained his productivity the whole four years yes yeah record holder record setter
2: at washington all right so let's get into this miami uh quarterback discussion then because it sounded like ryan fitzpatrick was out there first yeah he was okay so Thoughts on that?
1: Um, I guess it it kind of makes sense for Flores. He's he's this guy again who considers himself like a, a culture cultivator, and a lot of times in football and you know authority authoritarian hierarchy kind of uh, you know social settings, which football is big on. It's like they they consider themselves. Uh, basically a lot of football coaches are want to be like army sergeants or something. And like they're, they're big on just, uh, you know, showing respect to the people above you. And so in practice with somebody like Fitzpatrick, who's whatever, 40 now or something like that, it's like you, you know, you get some kind of, uh, greater, whatever credence, like you're, you're more credible than the other ones here. Cause you're old and you know, what's up and, uh, we respect our elders around here kind of thing. And like this, this false, you know this kind of like flimsy sense of uh virtue by just deferring to you know tenure or something like that and uh it's just weird to do if you're looking for stability at quarterback though because fitzpatrick uh even in his recent years like he's he has not gotten better with experience as far as his reliability like he will kneecap an offense uh with his turnovers and he's always done that it's it's not going to change this year so it's one thing to go with a a veteran who's just kind of like a risk minimizer fitzpatrick doesn't even give you that no so if they want to start him riding the wave down there right and so it's it's like if he starts it means one of two things like he's not going to finish the year a starter or rosen truly is just like the worst ever and uh i still think there's no evidence really at all that rosen is particularly bad uh certainly not as bad as fitzpatrick and uh it's one of those things that it would be grim i think for the long-term uh trajectory for the dolphins if flores stands by fitzpatrick for week one but even if he does i think he's gonna have to retract that decision by about week six
2: yeah i've i foresee this happening or unfolding in a way where fitzpatrick opens the season as the starter uh maybe just kind of as as the meat
1: shield for this terrible dolphins team and that you know they they get blown out in week one Why didn't i ever think of meat shield that's a good i I usually you know i use the very uncreative human shield but yeah meat shield ryan fitzpatrick would make a lot more sense than like uh caretaker of our delicate offense ryan fitzpatrick yeah yeah so
2: you can yeah just go out there take the shells and uh you know i i think both of these guys make starts at, at, at points yeah. this season. I think you, we can almost guarantee that. I think it, it, it's one of those things where Fitzpatrick, either either that that uh, complete kneecapping of the offense happens right out of the gate um, or he does does that thing where he just pulls it out of his butt and is like, ridiculous for a game or two and then it all comes crashing back down to earth but either way if Rosen is not starting by October so I'm just kind of extending your timeline here like I I think it would be grim if Rosen's not starting by October less so than than week one I think that uh, what you were mentioning there with like the sort of respect the elders culture guy Ryan Fitzpatrick veteran I think that that is all going to culminate unless Rosen really lights it up in preseason um, I think that fitzpatrick starts the season is allowed to
1: fail and then rosen comes in yeah that makes a lot of sense i think that's that's what i would generally expect
2: okay all right so i was actually on to something for once all right you're
1: always on to something you're always on something you know (laughs) hey etc i could keep going the future of daily fantasy sports
2: has arrived experience super drafts exclusive game mode multiplier Say goodbye to salary restrictions and hello to lineup freedom. Use your fantasy sports knowledge to draft any player you want and build your very own dream team – countless lineup possibilities and let you experience daily fantasy sports the way you want. SuperDraft offers contests for NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, and PGA, so you can enjoy the best of DFS all year round. Sign up for SuperDraft today using promo code ROTOWIRE and claim your free $5 in SuperCash and a free $3 entry with your first deposit. Download in the App Store or Play at superdraft.io. SuperDraft, no limits, more winning. All right, so let's uh we just wrapped up Miami. Let's get into some more news and notes from around the league with with training camp uh, getting started. Some encouraging stuff out of Detroit. Looks like that both of their kind of starting outside receivers, Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay, are good to go. Clean oh. bills of health to to get things started there.
1: Nice. Uh, Kenny Galladay didn't really get a discount for whatever he was looking at, but Marvin Jones certainly did. He's he's been going, and like I feel like I've seen him fall into the ninth round or something like that. And I know he's not going to be your league winner you know 1300 yard 10 touchdown guy but both of the last two years uh with entirely i think anyway entirely sustainable workloads target workloads he was basically a 1000 to 1100 eight to 10 touchdown guy in both of those seasons so it's fair to worry that you know because he's been hurt already he might get hurt again but it's this thing where people are kind of thinking oh well daryl bevels here now he's gonna do whatever 800 yards and five touchdowns instead I don't believe that at all because if you're saying that you're either saying Kenny Galladay goes for like 2,000 yards or you're saying Matt Stafford throws for something like 3,300 yeah there's like
2: I understand the bevel fear and and like this this Detroit passing attack won't reach the ceiling that it could with with a different offensive coordinator but yeah I mean if if Patricia is okay with with bevel just turning this into like a 60 percent run offense or something crazy uh i just don't foresee that that happening like the lions have to be throwing the ball they have to be passed first I, I think that bev being or having bevel will improve the run game but i still think that this lions game or lions offense functions first as a passing team
1: yeah i i'm kind of agnostic on whether there will be much change at all in detroit like the main shift from jim bob cooter to anyone else in particular is like you don't throw the ball as much but Remember Jim, when Jim Bob was like supposed to be a big deal? Uh, I vaguely remember it. Yeah, it's uh, that that didn't quite work. But it would have been cool. I mean, he's got a great name, but he's got a good name. Uh, you hate to see a name like that fail, uh, but we we're stuck with these crap uh, names like Daryl Bevel instead and Barrel you know, Devil. Big big snooze fest that is. But <laughs> uh, the big shift from Jim Bob Cooter to like any other coach in particular is not just that you would pass less. You know per whatever less of a split of your your plays are going to be thrown but you're also there's also a good chance that they'll run more plays because jim bob cooter was weird in that like he would be very pass heavy but anti-tempo so they just spend a lot of time standing around in the shotgun just not snapping the ball and uh, that includes when the when the clock was running so if bevel just gets them to like an average pace to the line of scrimmage they might just run a i don't know what the number would be Uh, maybe like 50 more plays in the year or something like that and for receivers like Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones both of whom can make downfield impacts it's like you might get a 60 yarder in there or something like that you might get another touchdown or two something like that so even if Stafford doesn't throw as many passes per snap this year uh, the snap count might go up a little bit and also I, I just don't know if we can take it for totally granted that they throw less because it's they're not deep with pass catchers they're thin at receiver in fact but they don't really have a a, a backfield that's built to be uh, in my opinion anyway like a really uh you know seattle kind of offense like last year i think it's uh i don't know Carryon johnson is it looks pretty good and he's got some pass catching nature to him cj anderson and zach zinner are both okay backups but that's all they are you don't look for a way to like get them on the field uh you would sooner try to get marvin jones the ball right uh so you'd sooner try to get even like tj hawkinson the ball so i could imagine you know just because they were so anti-tempo and because uh they weren't exactly like big volume passing despite their pass heavy tilt i could imagine things basically staying the same for those two detroit receivers largely because golden tate left like just that might be enough to keep it going for them interesting and um yeah, I, I,
2: I definitely see what you're saying, and, and you know that they, they are trying to replace uh, that other production there. So
1: we'll we'll see what it's comes a tough to this division. Offense. Sorry, it's also a tough division to run in generally. Like, yeah, it's not easy to point. throw against either, but. Um, I don't know. I'd rather try my luck with like Kyle Fuller against the bears than I would Roquan Smith and Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack and, uh, Mack being also a good run defender. So, uh, we'll see, but I, Marvin Jones is a good player on a team that basically needs him. And I don't think his ADP sh- reflects that. Okay. And then just moving back to, to Galladay for a second.
2: Um, and of course, making it about myself real quick. So I'm in a best ball slow draft right now. I uh, had the number one pick, so um, had picks 1, 24, 25. So I'm waiting for my my fourth round pick. It's going to be a little while. Um, but Galladay is going to be. I'm projecting to. I'm projecting him to drop down to to pick forty eight. Yeah, I think you probably. And I have no receivers to this
1: point. Would you be comfortable with him as your wide receiver one? I uh, could be. It's it's questions opening? like that are always tough because it's like well how good are your running backs damian so, williams
2: and saquon barkley
1: yeah so i think there's a pretty good chance both of those guys are top five running backs in ppr this year so that lessens the slack that you need from your your receivers to pick up but uh out of curiosity what are the other candidates i, I hope no one will uh, poach your pick oh
2: no it's fine i digs digs is my like okay. dream scenario but I, i'm fairly certain that that he'll be gone uh, by that point but galladay was the big kind of standout and i think robert woods was somewhere in that neighborhood that i would if things
1: go really badly i would feel fine with him being my, my wide receiver one in a ppr yeah i guess i guess i would say i would consider galladay the better bet to give you you know long touchdowns like big plays generally but uh ppr maybe i would go with robert woods just because maybe maybe in the first three rounds still i'm looking to set my floor and make it a very steady floor and i think woods as long as he's playing will give you you know 1100 yards almost worst case scenario and because it's ppr on best ball tens uh i think that 1100 would probably be pushing 90 receptions so uh yeah galladay is is maybe a little more valuable on draft standard scoring half ppr because his touchdown upside is more unique as as a big you know downfield target but in ppr uh he he might not get uh as many catches as some lesser receivers who simply have lesser depth of targets yeah and woods is is definitely fits that bill yeah he could be yeah woods is good um he could he's been just automatic the last two years and uh you know, he had some durability troubles at USC and Buffalo, but knock on wood, not lately. And as, as long as he's out there and particularly with Cooper cup, maybe a little limited to start the year, or if, if Gurley is, is truly cursed, like a lot of people believe that would all be to Woods' benefit. I think,
2: I think so too. So, uh, you know, he'll be, he'll be a fine plan B uh, Julian Edelman is, is there and, uh, Brandon cooks are also Oof. other Edelman's pretty tempting
1: there. in PPR. And I, I, I know he's an injury risk, but That offense was just going to him almost every pass play. Uh, with gronk not there I, I can't imagine that it changes much yeah that's a, that's a good point I, I just have the fear that I, I'm too far away uh, from where
2: the draft is right now for receivers Edelman to get
1: there yeah receivers go earlier in best ball tens generally and especially those uh, high target guys like Edelman uh, understandably so because the, the touchdowns aren't as important when it's PPR exactly exactly uh, before we get on
2: to a couple uh, more training camp uh, news and notes we got a message here from fantasy draft Fantasydraft.com would like like to bring you an important message about rake are you tired of paying high fees to play daily fantasy did you know that over over time these fees called rake can cost daily fantasy players over 30 percent of their bankroll as daily fantasy sites continue to raise rake prize pools are being squeezed more and more making it harder and harder for players like you to win more rake just means more money lining the pockets of the big dFs sites and less money for players but Change is coming. Starting in July, Fantasy Draft is changing the game by bringing you rake free daily fantasy. That's right. Soon you'll be able to play your favorite contests without paying any rake. On Fantasy Draft, 100% of the entry fees will be paid out to contest winners, 100% of the time. Playing your favorite contest rake-free on Fantasy Draft will save you hundreds or even thousands in rake every month. Rake-free daily fantasy is truly a game changer. Just imagine what playing on Fantasy Draft is going to do for your bankroll. Register at fantasydraft.com and be the first to know when the rake-free revolution begins. Use promo Code RWNFL to receive a free seven day trial. That's promo code RWNFL. All right, let's bounce around to a few more spots here before we wrap things up, Mario. Um, It looks like Will Fuller uh, back on the field. Uh, Our previous update on him before uh, today's news um, was that he was hopeful for week one or, or something along those lines. So going from that to participating on the first day is very, very encouraging, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, it is. I'm definitely a Will Fuller believer in terms of his talent. And, you know, when he's on the field, he's been staggeringly productive, as brief as his showings have been with Deshaun Watson. But, yeah, midseason ACL tear is a tough one. I'm not afraid of Will Fuller in best ball because I feel like – I mean, the worst-case scenario is it's like he goes out there too soon and never really recovers and is just kind of like missing practice all year uh a more likely scenario in my opinion is if he is limited they just don't you know overwork him earlier the year and then he then he's kind of blazing for the last 10 games or so something like that uh Cooper Cup also out there if i remember right and he's in basically the same position but he's a different kind of player yeah,
2: i was actually going to ask you like where where your thoughts are on both of those guys
1: given that both of them suffered mid-season ACL tears yeah i think i've got them rated about the same but fuller will fall into the seventh and occasionally the eighth round range whereas cup doesn't really fifth for yeah i want to say he rarely gets out of the fifth sixth range and i was getting cooper cup a lot last year and this year i don't have any shares actually that i can immediately recall so uh if he fell into that will fuller range that would give me a lot to think about um because i could imagine him too, just you know basically not that good in the first six weeks finishes strong in the second half that kind of thing uh, especially after the buy, whenever they have it, um, so that's. I guess I have them in the same category, even though maybe there's something to be considered about their skill sets. Like, I mean, Fuller being more speed dependent, Cup being more quickness dependent. I don't know if an ACL is harder on one skill set than the other.
2: I was I was actually talking to to Liss about this on the radio yesterday when when it comes to Cup because you know doesn't have the stand out long speed, but where he did have you know legitimate you know like upper echelon percentile. Uh, testing was in terms of the agility in terms of like the quickness change yeah. of directions and they always say you know what the last step of your acl recovery process is starting to do the cuts okay. so i think i'm a little bit more concerned about cups uh return to form from it from the acl because he's so dependent on you know getting that separation quick off the line finding the space right away whereas fuller gets up to speed and then you know you're good to go from, from there so i'm a little bit more worried about just like the choppiness and the cuts uh that that cups surgically repaired knee are going to have to you know uh be able to deal with
1: yeah yeah i don't um i guess i guess i don't feel like i can conclusively make any determination in either direction so i'm kind of trying to keep minimal my shares of both or not not minimal anyway but i'm trying to when i get fuller or when i get cup i want it to be at uh atypically late for the adp i don't really want to buy them at the current market price so um just because you never know with that stuff and also the rams are better suited to withstand uh putting cup on the shelf than the texans are putting fuller on the shelf and bill o'brien's on the hot seat and all those guys who are left around in that incoherent front office that they have they're all scared so there's political pressure to get fuller out there even if he's not ready whereas with cup mcveigh knows that he's you know king of whatever the western time zone and uh he's got daryl henderson there as a slot threat If cup isn't ready josh reynolds got a lot of reps last year right so i can i can imagine it being you know there's maybe there's some kind of risk in fuller getting forced out there before he's ready and you know sooner than basically not in as comfortable as circumstances as cup uh that's not very actionable speculation but it's it's like something that's in the back of my mind and makes me uneasy about fuller even though i think he's a great player and if he was fully healthy he'd be you know like a third round pick to me or something like that uh but as it stands at the very least in best ball if i'm getting fuller i try to get kiki kuti also just because he's pretty cheap and it is fair to worry that kuti won't produce if fuller is and hopkins are both out there because as much as he put up big numbers last year i think it was only um maybe one game where all three of those guys that were out there and it was when Fuller had torn his ACL that Kuti had the big playoff game, of course. So, um, but you can get them and maybe if you can get them in the eighth and then uh, ninth or ideally the 10th for Kuti, that's a pretty nice spot to be in, but I don't really want to pay like a sixth for Fuller or, you know, a fourth or a fifth for cup.
2: Okay. Yeah. I think, yeah, the, Getting them at the apex of their prices, obviously, especially given the injury history and the recent injury history, uh, specifically, uh, that makes it a little bit tougher to to go ahead and, and reach for those guys. But like you said, if the, if they go on the on the lower range
1: of their current ADPs, then, then certainly the the talent alone is worth betting on. And, that, and to be clear, the handcuff of Kuti to Fuller, I don't really think is advantageous in a redraft necessarily. I mean, if you get if you get them both cheap sure uh but with best it's a little different because you're just uh, stacking you don't have to guess when they go off in that case whereas with uh redraft season long that can basically give you an aneurysm yeah that would not
2: advisable uh there um a couple other news and notes before we sign off here uh chris carson uh, obviously had the off-season knee scope uh missed otas but uh he was cleared uh for training camp work today
1: yeah so he'll as, as long as he's physically able he'll get the benefit of the doubt over penny uh, perhaps rightly so but i'm still a penny truther and as much as carson i think is good um his way of being good just isn't sustainable and that he's been hurt this much to this point is is not a fluke it's it's just the byproduct of the way he plays which is a lot like marion barber or somebody like that where You know they're just like concussion proof and they just anchor really hard and guys hit them really hard but they just kind of keep bouncing off over and over and over until their leg breaks or something like that and that happened Chris Carson's rookie year he's got the knee scope I don't know what it was I feel like it was like an ankle or a knee at Oklahoma State uh, because that's how Justice Hill ended up getting into the starting lineup at Mm -hmm. his expense even when Carson was a senior at the time so you look at uh, our player metrics too. The peripherals on Chris Carson. You look at the RotoWire uh, player page for Chris Carson. You see a lot of his yardage was after contact, and he had to break a lot of tackles at a really high rate. And it's, I think, unsustainable. Both in the sense that it's just hard to rank in a uh, rank in like the top 90th percentile every year for broken tackles and yardage after contact. Like even if you still break a ton of tackles and run really well that number is probably just going to decrease at some point from bad luck, if nothing else. And then it's also like, that's a lot of contact. That's just a lot of hits, a lot of punishment that you're taking. Whereas Penny, he just avoids that whole pile that Carson, you know, grinds through. Mm -hmm. Um, Penny just misses it entirely. And is is a threat to split the safeties too. So uh, part of Penny failing last year was him showing up to camp at like 240 pounds and then breaking his finger not long afterward. Uh, So that's, you know if that if that exact scenario happens again this year then you know all full speed ahead on chris carson in my opinion but we don't have reason to believe that meanwhile penny's this guy who's running a 446 at 220 uh posting just stupid numbers at san diego state and not just in the mountain west like he put up big numbers against stanford so i believe in rashad penny and as long as he's you know 225 something like that instead of a 240 and as long as he doesn't have any broken fingers i guess
2: yes so that's that's the seattle backfield um some stuff out of baltimore just to you know placate me for a second it looks like marquise brown is getting close to getting
1: cleared here so finally some positive news he was running at full speed on the sides today okay that's good yeah i'd really like to see him get in soon because uh not that i'm heavily invested or anything but it would be great for Lamar Jackson, who I am pretty decently invested in. And, uh, I think that would be good for Mark Andrews. Even like y- y- you put those two on the same side of the formation, the safety can only follow one of them. And it's like, Andrews is huge for a slot corner safety. And, uh, if you put the safety on Andrews, Brown is very fast for any corner to follow one-on-one. So I think those two could, could actually kind of, uh, help each other, even if they're, you know, on some level fighting for the same you know piece of the pie or whatever. And then allegedly miles Boykin looked really good today too. Uh, yeah, you would think a guy that big and fast should just kind of, you know, we're, we're basically at the eyeball test phase still hundred yeah, percent, because we're a lot of these lineups that these teams are putting out are based on things that they saw with no pads and training in er, mini camp and OTAs. So, and,
2: and also some of the stuff I, I was talking to, um, Lists about this yesterday too how a, a beat writer i think from denver uh tweets out that this video clip of Deshaun hamilton i'm sure you saw it too where it's oh like, yeah oh, look at look at this crisp footwork and then you know the film guys just swarmed to it and they're like that took him
1: five seconds to braxton do miller yeah, yeah braxton miller at the senior bowl again where it's just like oh my god he did 15 spin moves before he caught that five <laughs> yard slant and it's like yeah that's uh that's Three and a half sacks. Yeah, that totally works in the NFL. Yeah, your quarterback has been fully dismembered, like each limb, head. (laughs) It's really bad. Yeah, so so, um, I am – at this point, like, I just think Deshaun Hamilton's not real. Like, I think he's – he could be, like, a system PPR slot kind of volume-driven guy, but – I don't think it's going to happen. And yeah. Definitely not this year. He was kind of a, a senior bowl machination,
2: if I remember too, correctly. Too, like he was maybe like a six round guy when when he left Penn State, and then he had re, you know one of the better weeks. And I guess maybe that receiver class in twenty eighteen wasn't as wasn't all that stacked. Um, and it actually it wasn't. Um, so yeah, I think that that kind of led to Hamilton getting getting a little bit of helium there that maybe is as we're seeing in year two maybe was a little undo
1: but yes don't don't get worked up about clips like that that you see it's it's funny the denver i wrote about this a little bit in the job battles article this week but the denver press is really hyping um just like a few uh fringe young uh rookies and it's like kalfani muhammad who's in his third year or something and it's like i can't tell if that's a i can't tell if that's a I can't tell if that's a deliberate outcome of some kind like i can't tell if fangio or elway or somebody is just kind of like feeding a uh, positive spin on these these players but there's all this press about like man i forgot Tr- about that trinity name. benson first oh, man yeah he, he's like an undrafted guy from the same college as david Moore, except he's like 30 pounds lighter and a 0.01 slower on lime- the 40 are they
2: limestone or are they slippery rock or neither
1: uh, it's East Central Oklahoma. Uh, of course. Or something like that. How did that... <laughs> yeah. Duff that one. Not East Oklahoma. That's, a, that's too, way bigger. Uh, it's East Central. It's halfway between Central Oklahoma and East Oklahoma. Don't okay. confuse any of the three. Yeah. If you, if you get that wrong, then, uh, you know you're you're canceled you're out but since we've been
2: talking about east central i think that's a good sign to uh to sign off here so for mario puig i'm john mccagney thank you for listening to the rotowire nfl podcast brought to you by yahoo daily fantasy have a great week everybody